From the University of Vermont Continuing and Distance Education, we bring you end-of-life care from a distance. During a mandated social distancing, how are end-of-life doulas, trained through UVM's end-of-life doula program, supporting the dying and their families during this challenging time? End-of-life doula students share their stories and perspectives. The way we are right now, with all of us isolated in place and having time to be more introspective, I feel like almost everyone is a client. I feel like, you know, we've all been given a diagnosis to pause and reflect and go inward and maybe get your advanced directives in order and think about what matters. And so, so in a way, it's brought us a new kind of client. Joining me today in our End of Life Care podcast is Diane Button of the Marin End of Life Doula Alliance in Northern California. Diane, thank you so much for taking some time to speak with us today. Thanks for having me here. So explain to me, let's first start, what is the Marin End of Life Doula Alliance? Tell us about that organization. Sure. Well, we're a group of end of life doulas in the North Bay, north of San Francisco, And we all work together in the end-of-life doula profession while we come to our work with lots of different areas of experience and expertise. We we find that working together really works well in the doula world these days so that we can cover for each other and help each other out in areas that we might not be as strong as the other person. So it's working really well for us. And when did you um, complete the UVM um, professional certificate in the end-of-life doula program? I finished the program in March, I believe, of 2019. So just a little over a year ago. And how has that journey been to then create an organization that then you're, you're putting yourself out there for this kind of work? How has that journey been? Well, it's been really powerful because the idea of being isolated and being a doula and trying to find clients by myself was feeling really daunting. But to come upon a group of like-minded people with big caring hearts and the knowledge to to work together and make it happen has really made the difference in success in our in our world here. And we've been able to reach out in different ways. So it's come together. It's slow, just like a lot of end-of-life doulas. It's taking a while for people to know that we're here and that we're available and what kinds of things that we can do. But as one person finds out about us, then so does somebody else. And it just seems to be word of mouth really making a big difference. And I know for folks listening, we're hearing the wonderful breeze in the background because you're sitting outside on what is what you're telling me is one of the first sunny days that you've had in Northern California since you've been quarantined. Yeah, it's a beautiful day. And I'm sorry if there's noise, but there's also birds. So we'll take that. I'm just glad you're able to be outside and enjoy it right now. Um, I'm sure we all are. We all would love to be out in the sun in Northern California. So let's talk about what an unusual time to be an end of life doula and to be actively trying to support the dying and their families when you cannot be there to touch and to, you know, be that personal connection. How have you adjusted this kind of work during this quarantine? Well, I have two thoughts about that. One thought is that the way we are right now with all of us isolated in place and having time to be more introspective, I feel like almost everyone is a client. I feel like, you know, we've all been given a diagnosis (laughs) to pause and reflect and go inward and maybe get your advanced directives in order and think about what matters. And so, 
in a way, it's the new people that have come out and reached out to us, maybe not even people who are terminally ill, but are aging and want to have their life thought through a little bit better. So in a way, it's brought us a new kind of client. Um, the changes are that, you know, obviously our work is so based on the human connection and sitting at the bedside and sitting to talk and go deep and we can't do that. So I think the biggest change I've made personally is that I am checking in with people more often. I won't let a week go by without checking in on someone. And also, I'm not going to the depths that I might normally go if I was sitting with someone. My feeling is that if a client were to come to me and say, I really am struggling with something to do with unforgiveness or unfinished business or a regret or guilt or something like of that nature, then yes, by all means, we'll go there. But I'm really not bringing that up right now. I'm trying to be in a more uplifting, positive space and work on mostly legacy projects that people can come out of this feeling like they've accomplished something and that, you know, they feel a little bit more organized and prepared and, and ready for the end of their life. It's such an interesting time to um, think about um, families and grief and trying to honor loved ones. We had a, um, a member of our church that just passed unexpectedly with a stroke and it's just really interesting how technology can still help heal even when there's a you know a, a terrible loss in a family we had our church service had a coffee hour remembrance after church um that everybody stayed on and shared stories um of the, of the woman that passed with that with and the husband who was there and it, i really think it meant the world to him and so i think it's finding creative ways to still be present um and recognize grief i would imagine Zoom is not the ideal way to do it, <laughs> but it's better than nothing, would you say? I would definitely say that. And, you know, I haven't done any funerals online, or, but I did talk to um, someone who told me that her husband had died the week before, and she said she had more people come to the funeral than would have ever been able to have come. She said it's like 175 people came from all over the world, and that would have never happened had he died under normal circumstances. And you know, while she still missed being able to be close with her family and get some hugs after just losing her husband, she was really grateful for that. And I think people are finding ways to adapt and we're doing that in our, in our legacy work as well. It's just find a way, we're finding ways just like we are with school and telemedicine and everything else. Do you think that there'll be some things you might carry forward um, after this is complete and we've kind of gone back, I don't think we'll ever go back to normal, but go back to, you know, the second phase of, of this. Um, do you think there's things you might carry through that you've learned as part of your work? I definitely think checking in with clients at least once a week in the middle in between sessions is really great. I really have tuned into the loneliness that people are experiencing through this. And Perhaps it was there all along to some degree, and I'm just seeing it more clearly now. But the fact that the clients in the the facilities, nursing facilities, are only seeing the people that work there 
is really challenging. And I'm, I'm really seeing that sadness. And I think that building relationships right now is happening a lot through the calls that I'm making in between the sessions. So I definitely think that's something that I'm going to keep doing. And just as long as it's okay with someone for me to check in once or twice a week, takes two minutes. And I'm just really noticing that, that you can brighten somebody's day with just a quick, simple phone call. I think we lost track of that too, a little bit in our busy lives. We were not picking up the phone. Don't even get me started about the word busy, but I really hope we can stop saying I'm so busy because, you know, life is just so much deeper and more meaningful when you're not on the hamster wheel. And I think that, you know, taking the time to really have conversations with people changes everybody. And it's such a great opportunity. And that's just what I've been noticing. And another thing is that the doulas that I work with outside of my end of life doula alliance have been really reaching out and I've been reaching out to them. And I, I think that there's some really great opportunities for all of us to reach out and work together more through this format of zoom and attending webinars where we can all participate. I think that we all have a lot to teach each other and why should we all be writing the same forms? Why should we all be asking the same questions and dealing with the same fears and figuring out how to step into this work? So I'm hoping that that, that unifies us and continues to keep us unified once we all go back into our normal life, whatever that is. Are you drawing on any of the learnings from the End of Life Doula course? I imagine you are, but is anything in particular standing out for you as you've kind of transitioned to a different way of working? Well, a lot of it is, and a lot of it has to do with legacy work because that's been my focal point over the last month with clients. And I've really learned to be creative and I've gone back through some of the UVM materials for legacy projects and been able to tweak them or, you know, make them work for whatever my particular client needs. So that's been really important. And, you know, I kind of fall back on this one video that I loved so much, and I apologize if I get it wrong, but I think it was Dr. Gremling. And he had this video where he showed us how he is at the bedside. And I remember it so perfectly how he asked permission to sit with someone and he just honored the person so much that it impressed me. And, and I, I, I've really been thinking about that. Like, how can I do that over the phone? How can I empower my client? How can I honor their, their power of choice and, and give them a sense of responsibility and choice? And I mean, I always ask, even if I'm doing a legacy project, um, I've written a couple of questions down that we can explore today. Um, why don't I read them to you? And you can pick which question we're going to talk about. And it's such a little small thing, but I think that it makes a difference that people have the ability to to say, yes, this is what I want. And even though that video wasn't specifically about that, and it was really about sitting by the bedside, I've remembered a lot from that. And I've reread all my notes from it and just how to connect and communicate with somebody, even from a distance. I think it's so incredibly valuable to share these stories. And I also do want to share the website for your organization, Northern California's end of life doula alliance.com. And it sounds like you guys are doing some really important work. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Take care.
This has been End of Life Care from a Distance, UVM End of Life doula student stories on how they are supporting the dying during the coronavirus pandemic. End of Life doulas complement the care provided by family members and friends, as well as medical, palliative, and hospice professionals within the settings of hospitals, senior care facilities, and homes. Learn more about the End of Life doula program at learn.uvm.edu.